Hi and welcome to Artalab, a podcast dedicated to conversations on visual culture. Today, we have with us Hari Krishna Katragata and Shweta Upadhyay, winners of the Alkazi Photo Book Grant for their project, I'll be looking at the moon, but I'll be seeing you. Their photo book, in their words, attempts to capture ways of seeing one's lover as well as responding to the narrative by layering the images with text, fabric and other objects, transforming the images into self-reflective composites. In this episode, we're going to be discussing many things. Shweta and Hari's award-winning work through their process and influences and the status of the photo book in India, of course, but also poetry, cinema and gothic marriages. Let me introduce you to them. Hari Katragadda is a visual artist whose work explores communities, environment and personal memories using photography, text, drawings. He received the India Habitat Photosphere Grant, National Foundation for India Fellowship and the Invisible Photographer Asia Art Award in 2018. Shweta Upadhyay is a writer and an artist who works with photographs. She is the assistant editor of Art India magazine and has worked as the art editor of Time Out Delhi. Shweta and I have actually known each other for a long time through our Alma Daftar of sorts, Art India. Hi guys, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Kamaini. Thank you, Kamani, for inviting us. Great, I'm delighted to have you. Before we continue, I'd like to let our listeners know how to access the visual material accompanying our conversation. To view the images being discussed in the episode, click on the link in the show notes to download the guide. You can also download the image guide for each episode from our Twitter and Instagram pages. I thought we could begin by talking about the form of the photo book itself. Uh, what works have been your influences and what drew you to the format or made you feel that it was best suited to your uh, vision? Yeah, so I think uh, the form of the photo book can propel a story, a narrative. And uh, our story was about, not just about us, like, you know, our marriage, but also ab- about our, like, Im- imagination or collective imagination at that point in time like the films that we were watching the uh, our influences in literature so we wanted to create a narrative of that particular period of time so that's why we chose a uh, photo book as a form and our influences have been i think um, you know eh engstrom and uh, also like somebody like uh, ketinka goldberg surfacing so you know, so we were looking at a lot of photo books, we were watching cinema and we were reading a lot of books and it also Hari was shooting me and then we had like a horde of images and then uh, we decided what should we do about them. And its first iteration was in the form of a photo essay. And then I think uh, Alkazi had come up with a photo book grant in 2015, 2016. So I think we made a photo book to apply for it. It was actually the first iteration also got like uh, received, uh, was shortlisted for the award. And then the project received an impetus. And then the second iteration was uh, shown at Serendipity Arts Festival. Mm-hmm. So I think the, there was an impetus. It's also like a personal narrative and the book form sort of like supported it. That's why we started uh, on it. We were looking at a lot of like reading books and we had just shifted to Bombay. And, and it was the first year of her marriage. And... So there were like a lot of, uh, I mean, it's intense, right? It's uh, And sort of the photograph sort of uh, reflected that. And one of the uh, influences is uh, Jean-Luc Godard's uh, contempt, the opening scene, especially the opening scene where you, know, you see that uh, Bridget Bardo is lying in bed and she's asking uh, Michelle Piccoli, do you love me? And she's actually running through her entire body. Like, do you love my thighs? So he says, yes, you know, and then she's, do you love my hand? Do you love my eyes? And after she finishes every body part, she says, oh, then uh, you love me completely. So that uh, opening scene is just actually the opening scene that we are influenced by. We started to think about nature of love. Mm-hmm. What do we love when we love someone? Right? Do we just love the body parts? And when you say body, what do you mean by the body? Like, you know, we never see, we see the surface, right? We never see, mm-hmm. we don't know the interior organs or the state or the health of the interior, uh, the internal organs, right? We don't know, we don't love somebody's liver or like kidneys. Well, or, you're forgetting the uh, jigar ka tukra, but sure. Jigar ka tukra. yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I don't think I'm messing with you, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But that's true. What do we love? And how do we then yeah. we compare the body parts to, it's very metaphorical, yeah. right? Meta- metaphorical. 
you can uh, it's just surface and then you compare it to other surfaces surfaces that are available to you the world around you yeah the book is actually is like uh, trying to map the scale of desire vis-a-vis the universe hmm scale of universe vis-a-vis human desire like how do you transform the world when you desire someone and hmm. does the universe gets transformed also right so i think that was the internal uh, that was the initial impetus of of this project right so for for me robert Fra- robert frank the swiss american photographer mm. his work called the americans he, the book he made in 50s uh, it's been a huge influence for me uh, it's about how you condense you know almost 10 years of shooting across america and and talk about this feeling about you know alienation or racism the power the false feeling of uh, triumph which american americans had after the world mm. war 2 so how how does he condense so much of material into a book form that was like you know uh, always a, a kind of a big inspiration for me so in a way this body of work is also about like how do you condense uh, a few years of shooting i mean i i didn't really have any anything specific in my mind when i was shooting and uh, this shooting mostly happened when we moved to bombay and uh, i wanted to work as a cinematographer in the industry in bombay but i realized quickly that you know i'm not a person who can work with large crews and i'm best you know doing work by myself so uh, when we first moved to bombay you know we didn't know anybody here and then uh, pretty much we spent most of the time you know at home watching films mm-hmm. talking uh, reading books uh, just you know uh, observing each other rather you know listening to each other and stuff like that mm-hmm. and um there was also a time i didn't do much assignments i you know i'm, I'm a trained photojournalist and uh, there was a time when the only thing i was photographing was shweta you know I, and my walks i i walked a lot in the morning and and during my early morning walks i shot you know things what i saw around my house so most of these images are basically you know uh, they happened during this 2 uh, 3 years of pretty much staying at home you know and and taking a break from my uh, regular uh, work as photographer uh, photojournalist uh. so once we once we started working on this uh, photo essay and then thought about you know how do we take it further book form kind of felt like you know natural to uh, give shape to our feeling about you know what do we do with this whole body of work you know it was, it was kind of an organic process based on our conversations and our influences and we somehow you know each iteration was kind of shaping it into a, a much more honest way of our own feelings about each other and also about our general ideas about art and literature film yeah you know i'm hearing you guys talk about this and i'm also wondering whether you know the form of the photo book itself it's so intermedial right because it it forms it, it provides a sort of plane for you to bring together a confluence of different thoughts and uh, forms and uh, genres onto one surface again to kind of go back to that word and that's interesting also because it kind of ties into what shweta mentioned you know about this kind of rhyming between the world the outside the cosmos and the interior right your own self that this kind of transformation that's happening the photo book allows you to record that in a way by uh, bringing in all these different um, you know shared or individual um, musings or uh, materials so i think that's what's interesting to me that really um, you know stood out even when i was going through your your book um, just the kind of range of matter and substance uh, both figurative and physical that's present in the book um and, and since you brought it up you know uh, your engagement or your kind of um who you were looking at who were you looking to uh, in the state uh, as you as this project evolved you know in india we don't quite have an established legacy of the photo book as an aesthetic form apart from you know dayanita singh and more recently someone like sora bhura uh, we do have a history of albums of course from the very beginning of photography in south asia uh, but that's as part of our everyday life with images as a culture um so what traditions or influences did you link your practice to within the subcontinent uh, or in general um i'm asking this also because you know how you mentioned uh, that you know you worked as a photojournalist i know that you uh, graduated with a degree in photojournalism uh, from ut austin 
So you engaged with the craft as a student and through the mode of more classical photojournalism. You know, how, what, what kind of traditions do you think are, um, have, can you connect your work to? I would say, you know, uh, this was also a break for me from my photojournalistic background and, and documentary photography where you treat image as, you know, a sacred, a final thing. Like you don't want to move a pixel here or there. You know, that's like a big no-no in the, in, in photojournalism and documentary photography. But uh, my three years break, you know, during which I was uh, thinking about the medium, I was also questioning, you know, this whole assumptions which go into, you know, uh, truth and objectivity and our ideas of the world through photography, mediated through photography. And uh, I was not really convinced that, you know, this this kind of, uh, uh, it felt like, like some kind of a false rigor. You know, it didn't feel like, you know, the world need to be seen only through this, the lens of photojournalism, you know, like fly on the wall or an objective observer who's not, you know, part of the scene. So for me, that break was important to get into this thinking about the book itself. And Shweta being not from the photojournalism or photography background, she didn't have the same reverence for images, which, you know, I trained to feel about the images, like, you know. So that was the point where, you know, uh, it felt like any intervention on the image felt just like a natural thing to, you know, how do, how do you push the image to make meaning out of it, which, you know, can be very limited by your own photojournalistic rules. So that was a thing. And uh, I would say films and poetry were like a huge undercurrents for the, you know, my thinking itself about the structure of the book or how the book, how the book can make meaning from just, like what Danita says, you know, use photographs as raw materials. So that's something which, you know, uh, perhaps, you know, both of us understood, you know, that once you have images, can we take it further? And uh, I guess, you know, the subtext of the book could be like how a cinema is, you know, how you have a set of images which go in time, and then you have music or dialogues layered on top. Somehow, you know, uh, we felt like that's uh, what this book would be, you know. Also, we started this book as a, you know, a traditional photo book as like a image spread or like two images on a spread, something like that. But eventually the form which felt very natural to this whole uh, set of images and what we wanted to say, uh, it, came, it became an accordion form. So accordion form is this, it's like one long sheet of paper on which images are printed and you just fold them. And, uh, and like uh, Dayanita Singh sent a letter, yes, sort yes, of that okay. form. Yeah. So again, um, if you see, if you just spread this accordion fold, fold book on the on the floor, you'll see that these yeah. images are like, you know, scenes stitched together. Hmm. And then the text could be like, you know, the dialogues and, and yeah. the music is like music or any sounds could be like, you know, the interventions on top of it. So one can see like some kind of a parallel between, you know, a cinematic rendition uh, onto a book form. So that's one, our homage to, you know, cinema in a way. Also like, Poetry, you know, in a way where we all, the images in which, in, in the book, they kind of vanish and become something else. It's like, you know, lines in a poem, you know, they just become something else, transform into something else. And sometimes they can be connected to the earlier ones or sometimes they can be completely surprised to you. So somehow we wanted to get that feeling too in the book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, we have a chance to delve uh, more into both these aspects, the cinematic and the lyrical, the poetic, uh, that's evident in the book. Um, I also wanted to ask you guys, and I mean, here, I think Shweta, I want to weigh in also as, you know, an editor. You work with books. I mean, a magazine is a sort of book, right? You're putting it together. And um, I'm interested to know how you approach bookmaking because we don't acknowledge it really, but bookmaking as a fine art in this country. Can you talk a bit about the making of the book as a physical object? Uh, So in the beginning, I was involved mostly in the concept of the book. Like I, we worked together on the concept and the concept was not, I don't think it was fully fleshed out in the beginning. We didn't so it's, it's been years and obviously you bring your own life experiences and, uh, to evolve uh, the project, right? But in the beginning, it was like the body and the world, pitching the body against the world, right? So, th- so then the editing in the initial phase, editing was like body part with with an image of of the environment. That was the initial phase. But slowly, with time, we also felt that it's not just like uh, you know formal similarities 
or symmetries that should inform the editing, but also the subconscious, like subconscious feelings that, that you know, to. So we were creating a kind of atmosphere. There were certain moods. Uh, uh, you know, one of the influences was Nayar Masood. So I was bringing a lot of like my reading of text and poetry and uh, informing that in in the editing process, right? So it need be like linear. Need not be like one should speak to the uh, image inside it in uh, you know in 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 a linear fashion. Like it should be symmetrical, formally. Like the form should match, right? So then we st started delving into the interior aspects of, of of that image. So what is that person feeling? The point is like later we sort of decided there will be a narrative around it. So it's also about what is the protagonist feeling, and can we uh, you know juxtapose an image that sort sort of suggests the feeling of the protagonist in that particular frame? Thing was, I think uh, informed by what the narrative would be the narrative arc and it mm. was not symmetrical you know it was not like okay one uh, uh, one image and uh, the other juxtaposed image should be like linear so that was one of the things that we were thinking about right yeah i mean i think that um, you know that, that's one of the things that also um, intrigued me when i went through the book uh, that that the movement of time in the photo book is quite unique in a way uh, it seems i mean you know almost as you said cinematic as Hari was saying with that there's a sense of um, encountering jump cuts and montages and um, repetitive motifs as well and sort of you know you can go through the book according to your own whim but once you close it sort of you know it collapses into a into a predetermined temporal structure so that that dynamic was really interesting. Um, Hari, do you want to talk about uh, cinema? As you know, you were talking about how you initially wanted to be a cinematographer, then chose a more solitary practice. Uh, how do you think that that's infected this book? In in you know relation to also what Shweta was saying yeah. as an editor. Um, so after the book was made, um, we were like wondering. You know, we were wondering. How what the form, uh, what kind of form we came up. We really didn't know what we had in our hands. We kind of, we were like, I mean, it was a lot of trial and error and back and forth discussions. And we made like a few dummies, you know, in which we were trying to uh, work out. I mean, literally like, you know, the book started with just my photographs and, and Shweta, you know, intervening as an editor. And then the point came when she wanted to have her own voice in the, in the book. So that's when you know I said, okay, I'm going to lose my control on the images and let her take over and and intervene, and and you know so and then sometimes she would go too far and then you know I had to like pull her back a little bit. So mm -hmm. it, it was a kind of a negotiation in that way, and then you know we tried to come up to a common understanding of uh, how the rhythm should be, how it should progress. So so that was how we made a few dummies and then. Uh, after the whole thing was made, and then we wondered, like, you know, how do you make sense? Like, is there a structure to this? So um, I showed it to a publisher from Bromide Publishing called Alexander Vernon. And uh, he kind of broke it down, you know, uh, to a nine-act structure, almost like a nine-act cinema cinematic structure, which was, like, okay. very interesting. You know, we never thought of a cinematic structure as such. It was just very intuitive for us. Mm -hmm. But this guy actually, you know, like, literally broke it down to, like, okay, Act one is introduction, act two is fallen angel, and then act three is awakening of senses, a foreplay, he called it. Mm -hmm. And then uh, he called it multiple legions of grace or something like that. I, I don't remember right now. And then fifth is then incline, and then consent, and then the act, and the great ending. So the ending, you know, there's a cave and, and there's a, you hit a, almost with a wall. So... He broke it down. That, that was quite interesting because we never ever really thought of a screenplay kind of a structure, but that's mm -hmm. what he, he's found it. Okay. But um, after, you know, uh, we made a few dummies and the last dummy came out. We also saw this film by Vanna Hazok called The Cave of Forgotten Dreams. Right. What a lovely film. Yeah. So. I was just thinking of that when I saw the final images. Hmm. I, and yeah, I, didn't, I thought you'd talk about it anyway. Go on. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, 
it's like a big coincidence that we saw that film after we made the dummy and then it just occurred to me that you know maybe unknowingly we were trying to use some you know images in a very pre-verbal way like you know something which you cannot articulate but mm. uh, intuitively makes sense to us you know like we do feel images and we do see we look at things and sometimes we cannot we don't have words for them we we cannot articulate in words mm. and uh, film is about you know something like you know people in the caves and drawings probably they didn't have so much of language to talk about you know the experiences and feelings but they kind of articulated on on the world with by drawing by images yeah so it's like maybe you know some kind of a, you know a memories a reservoir of memories so this book or memories of past present and future something like that so i would see you know uh, the book not necessarily as a narrative but like a feeling or or some kind of a reservoir of memories and dream and dreams of course because, because yeah. there's a dream like quality in the book right in the sense that you can't differentiate between the real world and your dream worlds there are text about dreams in in this book so the jump yeah. so the jump cuts which you talked about you know sometimes dreams dream logic doesn't really make sense in the real world but it has its own logic in the dream world so Yeah. yeah so perhaps jump cuts are like that you know yeah because i i think that's true right i mean you don't experience time in a dream eh, the way that you do in life that's also why you don't remember how you get from point a to point b in a dream there's actually a fantastic essay that i think you guys should read if you haven't already uh, by the poet lavinia greenslaw it's called the vast extent on seeing and not seeing further uh, and she uh, talks about hedgehog's film uh, in a very interesting and beautiful way that i think that you know um, might i don't know resonate with you as well uh, to kind of come back to this uh, the dream like this oneric quality that the you know the, the photo book has as well you know you both have compared and talked about uh, the the influence uh, compared this work to and talked about the influence of a writer like layer masood uh, who is you know stories are really enigmatic and a bit spooky as well um the way he takes us through lucknow and actually i was put in mind uh, when i was reading the book i did think it had a sort of haunting and dark quality at moments and it was like being in a house in which someone you once knew you know lived um and then i was put in mind of maya deren's uh, film uh, meshes of the afternoon you know which she incidentally made along with her husband alexander hamid and uh, you know it was also monochromatic disjointed and shot through with a sense of un- the uncanny and there are all these elements you know like a doppelganger and this you know a uh, strange figure many uh, doppelgangers yeah many doppelgangers there are you know, like this ominous figure um she's trapped in a house and there are all these parallels between the domestic setting and you know the psychological um trauma you know they all they run parallel to each other so do you want to talk about both of you you know do you want to talk about uh, capturing this sort of multi-layered and dynamic interiority through the lens and through language so i personally don't think that i think maya deren's that meshes of the afternoon is too dark and i mean it's in the sense that it's it ends with a suicide and it's too dramatic and they're like so it's too intense so our book is much more i think it's like a gothic romance and mm-hmm. this is important the space of the book like if you see the space there are uh, closets with secrets and maybe suggestive yeah. trap doors and there are also apps yeah. with sort of like uh, you know postcards that suggest that gives clues to maybe what's happening Mm-hmm. these are just clues which are like mentioning the former lovers right former lovers so it's gothic because also like the so one subversive act like when i saw the images and i felt that you know it doesn't really reveal the squalor or the mess in their lives right in the sense that the images in themselves are ominous and a bit dark if you really look at them closely i mean they're not like somebody one critic i think pointed like it's like a french photog uh, romantic photography which i actually never read to because it's not romantic but it's more like a gothic romance yeah i think exactly yeah gothic right? is a better uh, term it's, it's, yeah also there are a lot of birds if you see and they yeah yeah absolutely and they're constantly like rhyming with other objects and yeah. there's something really eerie 
Yeah, there that. is. There is. So, so for me, it was much more like how to bring that out, the squalor of inner life through narrative. And, mm. um, and there are like in the space also, there are like, it suggests there is a mystery, which is, which remains unsolved. And I read it like as an art critic, I also read the work, right? So for me, it's more like, like the photographer is like an investigator who is looking for a missing person because there is a sense of something missing, something that was there and something that you can't grasp that has, has, has escaped or has just gone away. And the moon it, itself, right? You can never, the moon itself changes shape. Yeah. So, so the Gothic was important. And in Nayar Masood's, for example, uh, mm. people go off to sleep and yeah. then this, and then what happens that then there is then it continues with the narrative and you don't know whether that's a dream or a reality uh, yeah. or oh, there are like these empty streets that you know suddenly go nowhere zones of desires and zones of fear yeah if you go to there was yeah. a story about this house inspector who goes to a house and yeah just, yeah uh, you know from the sensation around him he could uh, gauge whether this zone is a house of desire or this house is uh, is is a zone of fear. So yeah, you know when we the house that we live in currently. So uh, when I first entered this house, I there were like a lot of pigeons in the house. Mm-hmm. So I came and I felt so in Nayyar Masood's story, there is a thing that if you go into a zone of desire, you know all your dreams will come true. So yeah, I first entered this house, a lot of pigeons, and I somehow feeling that all my desires that I am holding right now will come true in the house. And a lot of pictures are from this house. In a way, uh, Nayar Masood was uh, working in my consciousness at that point. Stories. So I think the, the book has, it could be read as a gothic mystery, uh, right? And escape, something that, that has gone, and the moon, and the birds, everything suggests that. Also, you know, in, in gothic novels, you see the woman has no power. Mm. The man has all these secret, like he he has the mansion and like Rebecca, for example. Mm-hmm. And you see, and uh, I mean, he, there is a woman and that haunts you. So I wanted to bring in my ghost. Like that was a subversive act, right? Mm-hmm. And stuff like that. And I think uh, uh, Paul Anderson movie's Phantom Thread is a sort of a reworking of Rebecca, right? Mm-hmm. So one influence right. is that in his dress costumes, he would leave some notes about his feet, hmm. like some scraps, right? So I was also doing this in the book. And then fragments that could be like Duchampian ready-made, but which if you yeah. pluck it out of context and put it on an image, that image hmm. is enigmatic and abstract and meaning you sort of, you don't know what's the meaning of that image. So you're just pushing the limit of the image and giving, uh, making it multi-layered. Also exhausting the image. Hmm. For me, uh, the texture in Maya Duren's film, like it's a grainy, high contrast hmm. images, somehow resonate with the imagery in this book, you know, hmm. where I've deliberately these images, you know, high contrast and, and uh, too. So, yeah, there is a certain, you know, uh, affinity towards, you know, that kind of a cinema. But I think it's darker. Maya Duren is darker than this. Yeah. But the, I think that there's a chiaroscuro, you know, that you immediately think of and the sort of some of the asymmetries, the geometries in, in the right, right. photo book. They sort of reminded yeah. me a little bit of yeah. uh, just formally. But you're right. I mean, her, her work is darker, although one could argue that is also a kind of gothic film, you know? Yeah, it is. Repressed emotions, the space of. Yeah, and it's subversive in its own way because the protagonist sort of ultimately succumbs, you know, to this kind of tragedy of knowledge in a way. One thing that I was really interested in with regard to the photo book was um, what, you know, the technological choices that you made that informed the aesthetic because the images have a really old world kind of quality to them that probably adds to the mystery that we've been discussing. Uh, what camera did you use and, you know, what, 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 uh, technology or techniques did you adopt uh, in the making of the photo book? This entire project was shot on a digital camera, a digital camera, but I wanted a, a certain retro look of the 50s and 60s. Um, most of the documentary work during that time was shot on this film called Triax, a very uh, Kodak Triax, which is a very forgiving film. You can shoot in any conditions, you know, you can screw up your exposure lighting, whatever, and, and you can still 
get acceptable results. It's very forgiving film in that way. So way digital images look, they're very clean and very sharp. Um, they don't have the same kind of uh, organic feel which tracks uh, photographs look like. So the way it's been shot is, you know, consistently I've shot all these images at one second exposure, which is not what you normally shoot photographs with. And then it's also mixed with the flashlight. So it's one second exposure of ambient light and mixed with the flashlight. So every image has a certain slight blur to it and also a certain graininess to it. And I try to keep that consistent throughout the book and process it in a way so that, you know, it has a, a tracks kind of feel. And again, we can, again, reference to the old films or old documentary photography work or even Maya Deren's, you know, Measures in the Afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something which, you know, uh, I hope it comes across in the book. But it's been, it's it's a, beyond the point, you know, it was a deliberate choice to shoot in a certain way to keep the whole look consistent. Right, right. Yeah, I think it really comes through as well um, because the, the images do have this uh, very vintage kind of quality as if they were shot, you know, as if they are from another time. So I think that you really managed to achieve that. It struck me that when I was looking at the um, images and then I know that Shweta has talked about it elsewhere also, this, you know, relationship between landscape and memory, uh, there's a certain kind of fascination with this in photo books and we've seen this, it's almost a subgenre, whether it's, you know, Talbot's albums or uh, Brassai's book, Graffiti or Rusha's uh, stations. Uh, You know, Shweta, you've talked about using landscape to allegorize the body in love in the vein of Sangam poetry uh yeah so the body is omnipresent i felt like in in this book um yours of course obviously because you're the subject of many images but also Hari's, you know as he's recording he's sort of a good and other people's also mine you don't know whose text that's true what is the uh, where does the text origin or the conversation yeah, yeah with whom it's, it need not be with Hari. so i mean no, I meant Hari as a physical witness with the camera. Yeah. But of course, there are all of yeah. these other entities and, you know, people and figures from the past and, you know, that are also, of course, part of your textual, um, um, you know, bits. And the you, your body is also inscribed and you, you're inscribing the images with your own handwriting. So there's something quite mm. physical about that as well. Um, and so your shared memories kind of become this embodied in a way. When you love the body, then what do you love in the in a body, and how how can you grasp a body? You actually love a character, mm-hmm. something that is something which is ineffable, something that you can never grasp, and you sort of try to grasp it through metaphors, through meaning making, and comparing it to other things, other surfaces it touches, right? So that was the idea, but obviously because I I did my um, gradu- post graduation in ancient history and. There was this uh, Tinnai poetry, Sangam poetry. And so I was aware of this tradition where, you know, in Sangam poetry, every landscape, different kinds of lands, for example, a geographical region is divided into different kinds of uh, parts and every uh, kind of landscape depicts an event of love, uh, which, for example, hills would denote lovers' union and, uh, you know, and like a settled land, agricultural land would denote Mm-hmm. seashore would denote separation and desert would uh, denote something else right so every zone had a particular emotional uh, resonance and the fauna flora mm-hmm. of that region also evoked that particular emotion for example a crocodile would evoke anxiety in love mm-hmm. that was the background I think that was something mm-hmm. was in my mind and uh also, it's like certain things that move you a lot, like certain texts that you have read, like English Patient and uh, uh, I, I, I mean this poetry. And then you sort of know that it has affected you and how when you create something, you bring all your influences in. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mm-hmm. OK, how do I bring this notion and also like the Nai poetry and also contempt and connect them? And then can we do something out of it? So I think that was the mm-hmm. Yeah, also, you, in terms of geographies, you know, there's... Geography is created, right? I mean, geography creates your, like, if, when you love, the entire world is sort of saturated. Yeah. 
yeah to feel and it. yeah and there's people often you know talk about their um their love in terms of space in yeah. terms of city yeah. in terms yeah. of uh, you know deserts in terms of yeah. many different kinds of terrains and actually i thought that you know you you've actually referenced and the conceit of the book seems to be a sort of extraterrestrial mm. landscape as well right yes, because you're yes. talking about the moon so uh, do you want to talk mm. about that because you likened the self and relationships to this lunar surface so the one of the ideas is where is the story happening is it happening on the moon and another mm. that i'm going to add is like there is this poem by carol and duffy the woman in on the moon or something like that right so one of the stories that i want to create like uh kind of give it a mythical uh, touch in in my textual intervention is maybe this is a somebody came from a moon and that person had an affair with uh, a man on this world and then she vanished hmm. perhaps or perhaps one interpretation is this whole thing is happening on the moon who knows and hmm. also has these different addresses you know like there there is this lake of dreams then there is this like a uh, sea of clouds then river of knowledge and they have, and and who has not searched for a lover's face when you're looking at the moon you would you would if you have been in love most probably you would have searched yeah. for a lover's face right? so also moon is stained has marks yeah. and which it's there throughout in this book staining marking so the desire for the lover the desire for the lover's body the desire for the world and desire for the image Mm. these are intertwined in our desire for the moon something that we cannot grasp that is transitory which you want to hold but you cannot but you know it's just there for a certain period of time there is a sense of loss mm. permanence all that so i think the book sort of talks about these uh, aspects yeah yeah in fact you write in one of the in one of your texts uh, that the desire for the moon is the same as the desire for photography and it sort of comes together So you know, maybe Rootsley has has this line that she says that the moon is the first photograph. But I sort of didn't understand the physics of it. Yeah. But I sort of thought of it as like maybe the moon is the first photograph because it's the photograph of the sun. Mm-hmm. And also, like, uh, what do you photograph? You photograph something that you think will, which is transient, which if you don't grasp it, it will leave. right and something that you want to hold and preserve so i think the moon was as a metaphor for that but also like what was interesting to me was um you know what you said and you said this about your practice you know i'm quoting you shweta you say that you employ erasure and defacement using text and fragments from your personal diary and include references from poetry literature and cinema that we've been discussing so in terms of you know so this project started in 20 2015 i think so now when i see the book it's somehow i want to see it as a found object in the sense that all the text like i have found somebody else's diary or a notebook or a picture book with all this text so there is a kind of distance because i sort of don't even identify with the text uh, in the sense that i am the writer or the author of those texts so to treat your own uh, text as found object right that's what you're saying yeah or like or just how do you treat uh, how do you think of the found object within language you know mm. in the, as through the modes of excerpt you know through the modes of repurposing words mm-hmm. what are those mm-hmm. interventions like like what form do they take as a writer because i think like with the ready made uh, or the found object we do know i mean it, we 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 know the discourse around it in terms of conceptual or visual mm. arts mm. but how do we do that if you foreground your identity as a writer i think that's the question okay so like what models do you have you know who are the people who've done it how do you think of you know units of language so i didn't have like some uh, somebody else as references as, as as a reference but the fact that i'm a reader and i read a lot of books and then i sort of you know you are gravitated towards texts that sort of reveal something that perhaps is hidden in you mm. and you feel that you come upon a sentence and that could be just written by you that explains you and you copy that in your notebook so it is found in a way because you're reading you're getting it in between your readings you somehow own it you feel because it sort of reflects your interior world mm. 
so in this book obviously a lot of text is in response to the images they need not be something that is about our private life but it could be mm. sort of a fictional fragment that i have constructed based on those images but a lot of mm. things that i get it i i incorporate as clues mm. to the subterranean world of these images as as like if you want to decipher them maybe these are clues and obviously these are sentences that have meant something to me that have stuck to me and as quotations as whose meaning somehow you have not really deconstructed but which sort of you know that it suggests something that that has a meaning in your life right and you have like for example there is a text by uh, sir ballad uh, i think patrick spence there is a uh, there is a, a quotation from that poem where he says that the new moon is an old moon's arms and i fear there will be a deadly storm this hmm. when i was in school okay right and it was actually as an epigraph to another poem and somehow it stuck to me and like it just came it it meant a lot to me at that point also and i didn't understand a word of it okay i i didn't i don't understand what does it mean when you say that the new moon is in an old moon's arm and i fear that there will be a deadly storm it suggests something i so it's it's like a found text which i use in this book you know the found text suggests a certain underlying meanings and it's it's very mysterious but you can't really unravel what it means you know you get a sense of it but you really don't know what exactly it's trying to suggest yeah yeah and you mentioned also um the you know in the english patient how herodotus yeah. herodotus histories herodotus histories yeah was repurposed uh, by the you know by this character and so you tried to do that too yeah i did that too at that point when i read that english patient in my early 20s and you know i who has this book and he ins- uh, he makes his own maps in relation to the text and then he also inscribes his feelings for for uh, another woman who is with him who's actually somebody else's wife uh, and what he feels about her in the margins of the book right so and how do you inscribe yourself in an already existing book or a document i sort of was attracted to that so when i took this book it it was a finished form and how do i it it does feature me as a as a protagonist but how do i make it how do i reveal myself more how yeah yeah of the self or the, your interior life or or uh, the scholar right because i felt that i needed to bring in the scholar like my handwriting is so pathetic it's all to to kind of legitimize my handwriting because you know in school my teachers would always say oh you're such you're so careless you know and my mother had this ritual somebody told her that early in the morning wake her up at 6 and without brushing her teeth wash your hand and let her write so her handwriting will improve it never improved so it it's a kind of a revenge on my teachers on my on my mother <laughs> that you know what like my handwriting could be part of an artwork and to accept yourself and a lot of text is very per- some of it is personal and i wanted to be actually vulnerable like why do you hide you know as women we are supposed to hide stuff failures or rejections as supposed to be personal failures in life and how should feel shame about them so i was like why should i feel shame because i had no control over those instances and somehow i don't accept them as as my personal failures it was a result of certain circumstances it has nothing to do with me or my ego so to reveal your own um, self right it was also like a kind of uh, rejection to maybe bad events you're rejecting bad events in your life by saying that this happened to you but i mean i don't attach shame or um, i don't think it's my failure i had nothing to do i would i would like to add that you know This is in defense of Shweta's handwriting hurry we can tell. Yes yes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the title of the book I'll be looking at the moon but I'll be seeing mm, you yeah. is from Billie Holiday's song I'll be seeing you her rendition of the song. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe when people hear her singing this they really break into tears you know it's it's so mm-hmm. emotional and um it's like people really low the defenses when they hear this song. Yeah. And and open up with your vulnerabilities. and in a in a way you know a lot of this is also about being vulnerable you know uh, it's like right. shweta implicating me in a way as a husband and her own self you know like 
exposing herself yeah yeah no, i get that and i think just to you know put a bow on the on the gothic reference it's like this reckoning with the past sometimes the past is your own past right and you rework that through something in this case it was this book uh, but actually on that note i also wanted to ask you how do you can you discuss your partnership uh, as co-authors who are also spouses what's interesting to me is the tension between text and image uh, which in many ways you know can define can define the photo book it doesn't always do that but there's a certain genre of photo book which uh, is defined by this uh, and in the case of moon um, this dialectic gets reinforced because the writer is also the subject and wife uh, and those roles bring baggage associated with them you know in the history of uh, art marriage and power uh, so do you want to address that maybe hari can go first <laughs> yeah it's it's uh, partnerships you know are it are the difficult when it comes you know within the family and especially a husband and a wife uh, you know mm. we have like this constant dynamic of power you know whose whose word is the last word you know that kind of thing but yeah. uh, somehow for me uh, the big act of letting go was to let go of the control of the images and once i was sure that you know i didn't want i didn't want to have a control on the images and and let shweta do whatever she wants to do with that how she wants to intervene on them and work with them so after that you know there was really uh, like we were on the same page literally so for me um, it was a learning experience to get away from uh, that photogenistic understanding of images uh, also you know uh, where ambiguity is not what you look for you know everything has to be clear you know the message there's a message to why you're doing things why this photograph is taken there's a clear message and an implication that's you know what i went away from in this uh, book and and this collaboration really helped me because shweta didn't have that baggage of photojournalism for example so that that really kind of helped me you know to break away my own uh, shackles in a way so i don't know how shweta saw that what do you think shweta about power i would say that um, it just shows that we have equal power the book sort of reflects that that he takes the images and i sort of write my own narrative not my own narrative but a narrative just which is suggestive of mm. my interior world so and there was no editing on i, I don't think whether i don't know whether hari has even read them so there was like wow that sounds like pointed comment <laughs> yeah i don't think he has read them yeah he is not maybe he doesn't want to read them but there was like an absolute freedom and also like to get it's in a way it's any kind of representation if you represent somebody there is a kind of silence of the represented right i mean take a picture the person never gets to speak back but i so i and hari we both are middle children and um, middle children they get a lot of space to be what they are but they are also overlooked mm. okay so which gives them enough space to build their own personalities and a strong voice so i took a long time to build a voice but now i love the sound of my voice so i had to sort of i think make my presence felt and so in a way i think this project sort of tells you that we are equal partners maybe there is a tension like you can see that we need not agree mm. i mean everything but but there is a space for a uh, different narrative yeah yeah at times contrasting not narratives yeah mm. yeah i mean and it's a it's sort of you know a complex legacy right of uh, image making and being the object of images that which is very loaded like the gaze the male yeah, gaze yeah. is so loaded yeah. how you represent the, yeah. the, the female uh, and the, the the female figure never gets to speak back yeah yeah or her version of of her story so in a way i do get to speak and uh, through not just words but through other interventions yeah. and uh, artistic interventions so i think the power relation is quite obvious in terms of like i mean we are equal yeah so that comes through in the work as well uh, i mean the photo book as well you can see that um, both of you are very present in it i mean i don't know hari much but i do know you shweta and i i can tell that there is definitely a balance uh but and I, and i find that interesting also from the perspective of thinking about you know photo book projects that are of this autobiographical or memoiristic 
style in a way um people you know like you mentioned Katinka Goldberg who's you know making this book about her relationship with her mother um and you know even Swarab Hura's work Life is Elsewhere mm-hmm. where, where you know he's trying to grapple with his his youth in a way uh through his relationship with uh, with a parent um so I think that that's also interesting to me how image and text or you know th- that kind of expression can really come alive through the photo book's possibilities um, and what it can afford you as a make both a maker of images and as a writer or a textual interventionist, you know. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that was interesting to me to also see in this book. But I, I also wanted to talk about, you know, discuss the role of, of metaphor in the book. And both of you, you know, hinted at it, alluded to it in this conversation, but maybe we can have a discussion about that. Um, you know, it's a really lyrical books. There are uh, the book, there are, uh, you know, rhymes like the butterfly that looks like the bird, you know, on the facing page and a piece of fabric that resembles the leaves next to it. Uh, there's a cracking wall, there's unexpected color, uh, like gold safety pins, red thread, uh, that details like light of various qualities, textile patterns, to those who know nothing of your life together, you know, any outsider, they, these all of this becomes very laden with meaning. And of course, you know, you, you've uh, included uh, excerpts by Basho, uh, Anne Sexton, Mary Rufel. Uh, they're all explicitly cited in the text. So how do you view the relationship between poetry and photography? And I also want to ask this uh, as a kind of sequel to, you know, the conversation we had about objective photography and turning the camera inwards. You know, how do you do that? Yeah, so um, Anne Sexton has been a huge influence for me right from my college days. And and uh, again, her poetry is very confessional and very intimate and emotional. So to me, uh, poetry influences the way I shoot some of the, so some of the images are like fairly dark or like things unexpected in a way caught in the moment and uh, the editing you know come somehow comes out the way poetry progresses for example you know a surprising line or a sudden unexpected occurrence or something like that so for me uh, that's the way poetry got connected to things so I also use some of my paintings in the book and uh, they kind of also, they're kind of clues, you know, in a way, you know, you throw in some clues and also uh, connected text to it. So that's the way I, I found a connection with poetry. So I don't know, Shweta has... Hmm. So for me, I don't know whether photography and poetry are connected. I think a photograph uh, can be a sentence in a poetry because a poetry has, uh, one poem can have a series of images that are con- interconnected right and so one image in a photo book could be one line of poetry so I think maybe that because like poet you really don't understand or you cannot really explain an image completely and a photo and even in poetry an image you know what it means but you really cannot understand everything what they are trying to mm-hmm. what it is trying to a photograph also when you see it you know what it but there is some there is always an excess mm-hmm. right there is always something you don't understand so maybe one photograph can be a line of a of a mm-hmm. and a, a metaphor i i would say that obviously there are repetitive images in the book mm-hmm. uh, so sort of like there is repetition of motifs and which sort of triggers memory in a way, like as you progress in the book, you sort of know that you belong to the same story mm. because at intervals you say maybe um, birds, mm. you know, they, uh, and so you think that obviously in a way that you still belong to the same story. It triggers memory. You There's a sense of belonging to a particular narrative. Mm. So metaphor works in that way. And also like the dream quality of it, like any any book or any novel, any it's dreamlike and how you make it dreamlike is through image repetition. There are, uh, it's like a tree that branches off. There are uh, interrelated images that branches off in, in a particular direction. You really cannot decipher everything. I mean, there is a dreamlike quality always open to interpretation. Always there is an excess. So I think that's what I think. I would also say, you know, Nair Masood's stories, for example, hmm. they, don't, they don't have a closure in a way. 
they just you know uh, someone just said they just fade away mm. never there's never a sense of an ending in in his work right so that's also another feeling you know uh, both editing there's a sense of interruption mm. so each spread has that kind of a uh, fading away or lack of closure kind of a quality uh, we try to you know it, it's some this is also an afterthought you know it's not that we you know thought okay let's not have a sense of ending or uh, you know something like that but it's an afterthought once we try to understand our own work you know so these are some other things which we kind of have a smattering understanding it's like you know we put the work out there but you know we really don't understand entirely ourselves you know it's there is a certain yeah it is a mysterious process you know um, otherwise i would, like the fact that we were able to work on this book for 5 years without getting bored is because we were actually searching you know for something and we didn't really know what we were searching for so that also you know kind of kept us hooked to this whole mm. project mm. right uh, and in fact i did want to you know speak briefly about the career of this project as well um, over 7 years so i'm quoting you again uh, you've talked about the you know journey of the book or its evolution rather I'll be looking at the moon, but I'll be seeing you. Was published as a photo essay in Fountain Ink and the Indian Quarterly and Pix Quarterly. It was exhibited at Addis Ababa Photo Fest, uh, Chennai Photo Biennale, Serendipity Arts Festival, Singapore International Photography Festival, Photo Book Week RS, and Obscura Photography Festival. Uh, this photo book dummy was shortlisted shortlisted for the Pre HSBC Porla Photography and won the 2020 Al Kazi Photo Book Grant. which is you know what we're talking about so this photo book has existed in many incarnations from 2013 when you began to now 2020 over the seven years that it took you to put it together in its existing form what was your journey like as creators and collaborators i mean you talked about how i mean hari you mentioned how initially you just started you thought of the project in a particular way you conceived it in a particular way and then later shweta came on board and as a as a more active participant in terms of leaving her imprint on the on the work was that that was that an organic process or did you guys think about it before you embarked on making anything shweta came as an editor uh, and con- we conceptualized it together uh Mm. but she was, but this was after you already started taking pictures right yeah so we never thought of a photo book at all you know this it was right. ever in the horizon so it came right. as a photo essay and then so shweta was involved in in editing the work to make the photo essay and then the first dummy which we made we made it together um she was you know uh, she was involved as a conceptual Uh, on the conceptual side and as an editor this is the version that appeared in photo fountain fountaining fountaining yeah. yes so that was 2015 mm. and uh 2016 we made the first dummy and it was shortlisted for the alkazi photo book award the first alkazi photo book award mm-hmm. and at that time shweta was again the editor in 2018 that's when like you know she said okay i'm going to destroy this book and let me make something else out of it <laughs> So yeah, the uh, so, phoenix mode. Uh, yes. Yes. So that's when she, you know, we were like, she's a, she became a co-author. Mm. So we were uh, really on the same, uh, on equal footing. Then you know, she has as much as contribution, as much contribution to the book as uh, my photographs. So that's uh, my take on it. So we never really planned. We we never planned anything as such. It just. uh was natural you know like how our how understanding of the evolution of the book itself changed and it it just became natural that you know she was an equal partner rather than being on the right, background right right mm. yeah um yeah i mean i guess um it's also yeah i mean that's interesting though that um how do you decide when the project has reached a certain level at which you are happy to end it i don't want to use the word end because i feel like that has ending in this book yeah because i feel like there isn't but i mean but you want to take a pause or take or step back or give it room to breathe for a longer period yeah in so till 2017 we had a a book with photographs you know uh, uh, that would be like you know a regular photo book 
Mm. And then I felt, you know, we had reached a kind of a dead end with what we could do with the book. You know, it felt like, you know, we were you, we were pretty much using the same tropes as a traditional photo book, you know, pictures, pictures speaking to each other and spreads moving to something else. But the big, big change and, and you know, uh, we didn't know how to go f- beyond that, but it was not entirely satisfying, you know, to both of us. But only when Shweta decided to like intervene with her writing from a diary and, and uh, you know, with other interventions like, you know, using paint, paint on the pictures and, and scratching and other interventions with fabric. Mm. That's when, you know, I realized like, you know, this has a potential beyond which what we conceived before. And, and that completely changed the whole, uh, you know, texture of the book and the mood of the book. And, and it also felt much more honest to me, you know, like uh, also very, you know, because the fact that she opened up, you know, and, and to be vulnerable, that kind of completely changed the, uh, the throne of the book. Yeah. So, you know, I look at it now. I mean, I see the, even though it has won the award and I would want to make further changes. Like for me, it's not finished. And now I would want to connect it to myths and, um, uh, you know, so it's at one level, it's, personal but then you also connect it to to myths and other kinds of fiction which i would be creating myself so there would be further uh, additions to the text like it's still unfinished in a way but when do you abandon it i think i have to make two three more interventions and uh, then i will like sort of uh, i'll be satisfied with it but Hari is being very poised here, but I think he had this complaint that I was like a prima donna, like he would work continuously and then I would just like, you know, work for a week maybe and, you know, like, like finish my work yeah. in one week. But he was thinking, I was thinking about the project more often than I was, like I had other things on my mind. But then he would urge me to think about it. And, you know, he would sit me down and uh, even send me certain like articles and uh, movies to watch so that I think about, the book, you know, so I think his discipline has been the guiding has 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 propelled it. But I have I was not as disciplined as it, but I would come in for like two weeks and I would like, OK, I want to do this, do that, do that. And then so I think he's being very poised and very you know, magnanimous right now, but there was this. Uh, well, you've, you've confessed. So we're all good. This is on the record. I have confessed. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, yeah, the good thing about the grant is like, you know, we have, actually have a deadline to right. print it. Right. So uh, whether we like it or not, we have to abandon it and, and get the, you know, the process of printing it, which means like, you know, at some stage we have to stop worrying about like, is it okay or not? You know, it's, you got to get the baby out in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, in a way, uh, at least the first edition would be the deadline set by the grant mm. uh, condition, and and uh, we don't know, you know, how it's going to go further. But at least for now, uh, we'll make some minimal changes and very minimal editing, and then you know, it should be uh, we should be really th- sitting at the printer now. You know, hopefully, we'll be sitting very soon. <laughs> Instead, you're you're here with me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, wanted to ask uh, both of you, and uh, you know, Hari because he's a photographer. Uh, you know, how do you position photography of the self, or abstract, or conceptual photography in a broader history of photo making in India? Uh, do you think that there have been generational shifts in the approach to lens-based work? Yeah, I think uh, there's a lot more attention to things not just photographic these days, you know, like traditionally people just wanted to take pictures and make albums or Mm -hmm. the concept really, a a photo book really came much, much later to our country. And Danita is a huge, huge uh, force in that, I would say, you know, influence on the whole community of photo bookmakers. And the current generation of photographers are much more open to influences from other, other mediums like, you know, literature or cinema or, material interventions, you know. Uh, so it's also a lot of contemporary art which influences photography. And also there's a revival of process-based photography. You know, I started as a photographer who dabbled with film. You know, I, I actually learned my photography by shooting on film and processing the film and making prints. 
and for the last 20 years again uh, the digital has completely taken over the, the whole field and but now there's a, again a revival of going back to the the physical material aspect of photography so be it Danita's uh, museum bhavan you know where she uses literally space or architecture and creating photo installations or more like alternative photography where you know you you have mediums like cyanotype can be used to mm-hmm. you know, have a conceptual approach towards photography that, and and uh, use the material intervention and then uh, even this book for example we have uh, many many different approaches you know by intervening on the surface mm. and interestingly we, we we wondered actually what do we call this is it an artist book or is it a photo book or it's something else mm. and uh, Rahab Alana of Al-Qazi Foundation, he, he came up with this photo book installation. Mm-hmm. So that kind of, uh, you know, uh, a way to understand probably, you know, uh, an, another approach to photo book making. So right. where we actually involve, you know, lots of influences from other mediums. Mm. Right, right. Um, which, one, which is what we sort of started the conversation with, right? The intermedial or multimedial potential of... Uh, artist books or photo books. Um, so, when do you think that your book is going to be published and available, you know, to the public? Yeah, or in limited edition, or you know, however it, however you planned it. When is it going to be available? Okay, so we plan to get it out by thirtieth of June, which is our deadline. Okay, by the grant committee. <laughs> uh, we hope to bring in at least three hundred copies which really depends on uh, the printer you know it's a negotiation between printer because there is a lot of intervention of eggshells and bird feathers and right. threads and stitching so we need to really figure out uh, the practical aspects of it you know how do we do it when you make mass production we don't want to lose the you know tactile nature of the book yeah it's got this large like kind of quality right in some some ways uh, yeah true and at the same time, it also has to be uh, tactical to product produce in, in, in mm. you know in large numbers. Like yeah. large number is being three hundred, right. which is what we are you're hoping to make. Yeah. You know, depending on the economics and uh, the viability. So yeah, by thirtieth of June, we hope to get it out, assuming there will be no big hitches and coronavirus vanishes. Yeah, let's fingers crossed for that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for being on the show on Artalap with me. I really enjoy talking to both of you and learning about not just your practice, but uh, you know the, the the history of the photo book and uh, you know the future, the possible future of photography in India. Um, thank you again. It was lovely having you. Thank you so much, Kamaini. Thank you, Kamaini. Thank you for tuning in to Artalap with the winners of the Alkazi Photo Book Grant 2020, Shweta Upadhyay and Hari Krishna Katragadda. If you enjoyed the podcast, please like and share the episode over social media. For more information and updates, you can follow us on Instagram at art.alap and on Twitter at R-T-A-L-A-A-P. Mm-hmm.